Well, this uh, past week, Jen and Teresa were filming for VBS around the campus, taking time to set up stations and sets all around this beautiful church. Our beloved Godly Playrooms became the site for the bulk of their production, and I realized as I watched them dressed in plaid with tents all around just how much I've come to love those spaces, how much they've come to mean to me, not only for what they are, but for what they represent, who built them, and ultimately who inhabits them when we are gathered together. They are, for a lack of better terms, containers for a garden of sorts, a garden where the good word is sowed. And like diverse gardens, our godly playrooms have a particular layout which intentionally creates the space where cross-pollination occurs. For instance, when one enters the room, they encounter the focal shelf, and flanking the focal shelf on either side are stories from the Old Testament and stories from the New. And what grows in the middle is the kids. Amongst the wonderful and beautiful gifts of those spaces are the parables. These great stories of Jesus are housed in gold boxes, and upon hearing them, the child is presented with the following introduction as the storyteller picks up one of the gold boxes. The storyteller says, parables are more valuable than gold. Maybe there's one inside. This box is closed. There's a lid. Sometimes, even if we are ready, we can't get inside a parable. But parables are like that. They are hard to enter. And sometimes they stay closed. To go inside, we really need to be ready. It is such a beautiful way to set the stage for a lifetime of encountering Jesus through these stories. And I've come to relish the way the message of Jesus continues to be transmitted through our storytellers to our children and how it sets them up for the flip side of understanding a parable, that there is always an invitation to return. In her collections of sermons on the Gospel of Matthew, Barbara Brown Taylor writes that the lovely thing about parables is that they rarely answer the questions one sets out to ask in the first place or at least not directly. However much we want to read them as prescriptions, they behave more like dreams or poems instead, delivering their meaning in images and talk more to our hearts than they do our heads. Parables are mysterious, and their mystery has everything to do with their longevity, hence the invitation to return again and again And left alone, they teach us something different every time we hear them speaking across the great distances of time and place and even understanding. And where this parable of wheat and weeds touches my heart across the great distance of time and context is not so much about its fixed judgment in the end, or the reality of mixed plantings in our lives, or 
The desire to experience the kingdom of God in such a black and white fashion as either wheat or weed suggests. But in what lies beneath the soil? The roots. You might even go as far as to say our roots. And we should have no problem talking about roots because it is the climate of this parish that folks often choose to set roots down here. Some of them we know are deep and have grown here since the late 50s. And other roots are quite new. But they are all here. In fact, while our mission statement has changed recently, our tagline has not, and still reads, St. Christopher's, real, rooted, and relevant. Miss Betty, um, man, I love me some Miss Betty Vickers, our parish archivist. Uh, well, Miss Betty gave me some material to digest a while back, which included a memorandum from the Reverend Eric Long on how that very tagline was developed. It was helpful for me to see just how much thought went into those three words. In fact, reading Father Eric's words allowed me my understanding to develop from an encounter with what I thought was just a soundbite to a deeper understanding of the characteristics which shape this particular community and the one he planted in Kansas City. And Miss Betty would be, I think would be proud of me in this next bit. Um, I filed that memo. No, that's not it. Um, and I wanted to reference it today, but somehow I just couldn't put my hands on it. So I went hunting for another document, yes, Miss Betty, all by myself, in which the essence of what Father Eric and the church had developed expressed what folks around here meant by the term rooted. From the parish profile, which was created in 2015, one of the things used to call Mother Susan back to this parish stated that St. Christopher's is a community of people who celebrate the beauty and mystery of the Episcopal tradition while remaining open to the Holy Spirit's call to worship today. That's pretty parabolic. It continues, we here at St. Christopher's also thank God for all the faithful followers of Jesus who through the ages conveyed his message of hope to us. In their steps, we at St. Christopher's seek to take our place in Christ's one holy and apostolic church. What is present here is an acknowledgement of the importance of understanding and engaging with what came before, namely our history, but also what is present now, what is in the mix now, what is relevant now. It's what's real. What is essential about all this interplay is the reality of a fundamental dynamic at work here, that the way this particular ground has been cultivated, the way roots are tended here in this place, is very important to a community that understands it's very hard to tell the difference between a good plant, like wheat, and what might be considered a bad one, like a weed. The fact of the matter is, is that St. Christopher's has never really been a monocrop. But it has been a bumper crop, a nourishing one, 
with room for everyone to grow. Roots grow deep here. They intertwine with other roots growing beside them, and to tear them, even to think about separating them at times, threatens to rend life, no matter what it looks like above the soil. More importantly, none of us, including me, has ever really been that great at distinguishing what God deems worthy or unworthy, if there is such a thing. And so we shouldn't forget that such judgment belongs to the Lord, as the parable suggests. So what belongs to us? What belongs to us in this interpretation at this moment and in this time and in this context? Maybe it's how we tend each other. Maybe it's the intentionality behind how we become aware of how tightly roots end up wound together here. And what ultimately, and that ultimately, whether you've been here 50 years or two, in a way, we are bound to one another below the surface much more tightly than we realize. With that realization, I think it's important to not only return to the wisdom behind the age-old adage of what affects one affects the other, but to encounter the reality that the diversity present within our lives should create a beauty unlike anything else. Should create compassion. That kind of rootedness is certainly real, not to mention relevance. 